Hello, everybody, and welcome to Build Your Own Funnel, the podcast where we inbound marketers teach you remodelers how to build your own inbound marketing and sales funnel. On this podcast, we are never shy about diving into the weeds and giving concrete examples of campaigns we have seen and run that have worked, boosting sales for remodelers like yourself. I am your co-host, Malachi Price, Builder Funnel's inbound marketing consultant, and today I am joined, as usual, by our junior marketing consultant and DJ, Matt Ehrlich. I, I don't know what that was. I, I didn't understand a word of that. Um, we are also joined by uh, one of our in-house writers. Her name is Camille Henderson. Camille, go ahead and introduce yourself for us real quick. What is it that you do here at Builder Funnel? Hi, I'm Camille Henderson. I'm the senior content writer at Builder Funnel. So I am in charge of um, the daily voice. So all of the deliverables that we write for our clients, that's that's me doing the writing. Um, so that's me morphing into 17 different clients over the course of, you know, a given month and, and slipping into their voice and, and writing their materials. Yeah. That is well deserved for Camille. And today we are going to be talking about writing compelling website copy. Um, I'm excited about this one because usually on this podcast, we're just talking about um, strategy, which is great. That's my favorite topic. But the actual implementation part where you create the things that are being suggested in the strategy, that's not something we usually talk about as much. Um, and given the fact that we have a whole Camille here at Builder Funnel and also a whole Charlie just to do that side of things, it's it's definitely a whole area of expertise that I know that our listeners tend to struggle with. Um, so Camille, why don't you give us kind of an overview of what your top tips are, if we could give it like a bulleted list, and then we'll go through them one at a time. All right. So we're talking about like my top tips for writing great copy. So you're sitting down, you're going to write something for your website, maybe an email, something like that. What are some things to keep top of mind when you're writing? Um, and the first thing that I always think about is using an active voice. So that's the difference between, well, then the foundation goes in in the house and we pour the foundation. So it's always you're, you doing the action you are moving the conversation forward. You are driving every sentence that you write. Um, so it's just, you know, low hanging fruit to let your sentence lay there and let the action happen without you. So when you're writing, that automatically makes your writing more interesting. It's avoiding that passive voice and shifting into the active voice. Um, yeah. Another thing about is it's really tempting, especially if you're somebody who likes to play with words. Um, to get kind of, you know, cutesy or clever or start, you know, alliterating or pick, you know, not quite the perfect word because you like the way it rhymes with the other words or so that kind of stuff. And it's so important, especially when you're writing copy for your business, that you're clear before you start to play. So you really want to make sure that although, you know, of course, you're always trying to keep people's attention and be memorable, that it's essential that your messaging is front and center and it's easy for people to understand not only what it is you're selling, but also what it is that you're asking them to do next. Um, another thing that I think about is really thinking about emotionally engaging people. So, um, 
my previous life before I became a content writer, I was a psychologist. And so I was always thinking about how to talk so that people can hear you, not necessarily how to talk so that um, you get your message across in the way you like it. So talking about, you know, aspirations, fears, desires, those kinds of things, especially in the remodeling space where it's really emotionally all about that. Um, those are the things that I really think about um, when I'm writing. That and thinking about not just, you know, we have a 200 point process and, you know, we've been in business for 38 years, but what does that mean for you guys? So that means that we made all of our mistakes, you know, when you were a kid and now our process is really refined. So those kinds of things about, you know, getting your message across, keeping your um, your point pretty concise, thinking about emotions, keeping yourself at the, the center of, of the action and thinking about communicating the benefits. Those are the big things for great copy. How's that? That's great. Can you do, this is a favor for both myself and also the listener, but if we were to just put those as bullets, it sounds like there's three, right? There's five, bruh. Five. Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm killing it. Bruh. Okay, I lumped a few of them together in my mind. See, this is why I need okay. your help here. What, All right. what is that kind of list of things? And then we'll go into them yeah. more specifically. Or maybe there's four. I could be wrong. But there's that clarity over cleverness. That's one. Okay. There's being emotionally engaged. That's two. There's using that active voice. That's three. And then there's making sure that you're communicating the benefit. And that's four. How about that? So we were okay. both wrong. There were yeah, four. We... There were neither three nor five. See, this is why we're a team. You know, I say right. three, you say five, and we realize together that it's some the truth is always somewhere in between, right? Now, <laughs> now active voice is a hard one. Um, I wonder... Is, is there any kind of, like, resource you can recommend to people? There's one that comes to mind to me, and that's just using AI and telling them, hey, can you rewrite this so that it doesn't have the passive voice? But really, I would like people listening to not just rely on that and actually understand what it is. So, yeah, yeah there's a ahead. couple things I want to say about that. First, AI is one of the worst culprits at creating content in the passive voice. Oh, yeah. So that's one hallmark of something that's clearly written by AI is it starts to slip into that passive voice unnecessarily because it's not really sure where to attribute the information. Like, it's not really sure where the point of action is because it right. wants to keep everything super general. Yeah. So, and even when you prompt AI to... Um, avoid the passive voice, it doesn't truly understand what you're asking. Um, because as a limited language model, that's just not where it's prioritizing its tokens as far as I understand it. So that's a whole other thing. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend using AI to um, pick out and avoid and then correct the passive voice in your copy. Um, one tool that I find most helpful is Grammarly. Although um, even Grammarly Pro will only flag the passive voice and not correct it for you. Right. And that's because correcting the passive voice is so situational. So it's too difficult. It's too linguistically complex for Grammarly to figure out how to do it. It will only just flag it and say, 
you got to do something about that here. And mm -hmm. so if that's something that you're cognizant of, just having it flagged can be helpful. And so when it is flagged by AI or when you just notice, you know, it says something like, I don't know, the front door has to be opened, you know, like you have to open the front door. Right. So those kinds of things, you know, once they're flagged, it's pretty simple to think about transferring the action back to a noun rather than just kind of leaving it out in the open, if that makes sense. It does. So the the unfortunate part about this is that we have revealed that the, the two biggest tools that come to mind, whether it's AI or Grammarly, are not like it's complicated enough that those actually won't help you enough. But what I'm hearing is that you can you can better understand the passive voice so that, that you can look out for it yourself. Or uh, you can also use Grammarly to at least show you when you're using it and then kind of have that be um, the marker of just like, hey, you should just rewrite this sentence, basically. Yes. And I'm not saying never, ever, never do it. Right. Sometimes, you know, if you've done it eight times, maybe leave it in twice. Sometimes, you know, just to keep your sentence syntax or the way you've built your sentence or the length of your sentence variable, you really need some options. And some of them include a structure that includes the passive voice. Right. I'm glad we started with what I think is probably the hardest one. Um, yeah. Now we can get a little bit more specific with the ones that I think are easier. Um, but for example, clarity over clever. Um, funny too, is that a Camille original? Because that is both clear and clever, just that little phrase. Yeah, it is. Aha. <laughs> You're so, so shy about it, but I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's the perfect point of what we're looking for here, guys. Um, but clarity over clever, I, I wonder if we can think of some good examples here, because people definitely tend to worry that their marketing is not engaging enough, and and that's fair. People often are not being engaging enough, but that's not necessarily a matter of using more unusual language. I think it's more a matter of you're you're still trying to be as clear as possible, but the kind of cleverness comes more from just expressing personality through through the copy, or at least that's how I look at it. But I think you have more interesting things to say about this. Well, I don't know if anything I have to say is more interesting than what either of you have to say. But um, what comes to mind is that, like, when I think about messaging and what I need to put front and center, I think about what I hear the clients say most often. So like, what are the things that they repeat over and over again when they're talking to a prospective client? Like, how do they distill their message? And that kind of helps me capture their voice and then distill that into something more clear. So um, for example, we have a client who has like the three Ps and it's professionalism and this and that and the other thing. And so those are, that's how they've chosen to kind of organize and make their benefit clear. And so that's something that I kind of always come back to because it's not only just repetition, it's also concise. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. What would be an example, though, of someone being so clever or audacious or whatever in their copy that it becomes unclear? I've definitely seen a lot of this. I'll try to think of examples of my own. Yeah. Something like we're excellent and we excel at, you know, and then we're starting and we've got a great exit and like something where you have like lots and lots and lots of alliteration and the words don't really mean anything after Mm -hmm. a while. Or sometimes when people lean too hard on idioms, for example, um, whiskey and a budget don't mix. Like what, what do you mean by that? And can we say that in a clear way? Like that's cute, but we mean you need to be careful when you're making big selections that are going to last a lifetime and you're on a budget. And perhaps we should say that in a more concise way before we get into the cutesy puns. Agreed. And for me, a helpful way to think about it when it comes to being concise and clear I, I like using the keyword research as a as a guide for that sort of thing, because the keyword research is telling you verbatim what it is people are searching. So using keyword phrases um, in, say, like your headers, your H2s, whatever it may be, is a very easy way for people to find the section of your copy that they're looking for to answer whatever their question is, that yeah. kind of thing. So sometimes saying just um, our kitchen remodeling process is probably much more clear and a better user experience than I'm trying to think of something cutesy that somebody might say instead. Delve into delightful kitchens. Like, well, okay, but what what about kitchens? No, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like that is that is a nicer, more maybe more interesting way to say it. But the problem is that someone who is visiting the page doesn't know that that's the section they're looking for because it's not it's not precise enough. So when I think about variety, I again, I love that you brought up keywords. I look for synonyms within the keywords. So when I'm sick of saying it one way, I'll look and say like, okay, it says, you know, kitchen remodeling here. And then here it says, you know, kitchen renovation, blah, blah, blah. So like now I have a new way to pull, um, you know, some variety in and respect the keywords. And that's often my goal. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because that's important. I I feel like I want to let people who are listening know, um, and I've been doing this for a while, so please trust me on this, that Google will often see your synonyms and consider them basically the same key phrase. So, for example, um, kitchen remodeling in Boston, uh, it will probably see something like uh, kitchen renovation in Massachusetts or something, uh, depending on the context, it might see it as essentially the same keyword. So feel free to use synonyms so that you're not repeating yourself all the time. But just keep in mind that the keywords are often the most clear way that you can communicate these things. Let's talk about emotional engagement. Um, how is it that we engage someone emotionally with our copy? Maybe we can talk about pain points. That's that's a good um, key phrase that I like to think about. 
So we're talking about pain points, reasons people might want to remodel, and we're helping them feel seen and understood. And so as we talk about those things, you know, have have you experienced this? Maybe this is happening to you. So it's just a really lovely way to walk people through the problem that they're experiencing and validating the frustration that that's causing, and then walk them through a solution and then help them visualize how they will feel once that frustration is gone and it's replaced with a positive emotion instead. And so that emotional arc and drawing that line for someone so that they don't have to do, you know, even the imagination, really, they just have to go along for the ride. That's good sales copy. Yeah, wow, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, basically just engaging what with what it is that their pain points are, iterating that in, in the copy, and then guiding them to the solution to to their pain point, which um, would be whatever service it is you're offering. Otherwise, if if the service you're offering is not the solution to their pain point, then um, they're not the right client. That's the bottom line there. Uh, now, communicating the benefit is actually very, very similar. We could definitely draw a, a bridge between these two major points. Um, sure. What do you got for us, Camille? I'm, that's my segue, I guess. Take it. Yeah, no, you're right. This is where you count in three. So communicating right. the benefit is, so it's not just about the features. It's not just about, here's what we're offering you. It's about how you're going to feel and what you experience once you get what we're offering. That's an important. Right. Yeah, something that I, it's kind of corny uh, to put it this way, but as a marketer, I just like to keep this in mind, and I hope that you do too as well, dear listener. But if you're if you're selling somebody a project, uh, a product or service, you're never actually just selling that product or service. You're selling them a lifestyle, basically. You're selling them who they will be with that product or service, and that's why you start with their, you emo emotionally engage with them with the pain point that they have. And that's when you bring it over to communicating the benefit. And the benefit is the lifestyle that they are going to have after, for example, that remodeling project. That's why we often start from a place of like, um, if you don't have enough space or if you have a growing family or if you feel like uh, the the ambient noise in your house is is too much for you to be able to work from home or whatever it may be. You're trying to emotionally engage with that pain point and then bring it to here is how we think that this remodeling project or our services more generally uh, can bring you to that that better place, basically. Um, and that is the benefit. It's the benefit is not you'll have a bigger, prettier kitchen. The benefit is that now your family has more space and you can become the gourmet that you've always wanted to be. And you can have those comfortable mornings where, you know, the kids are getting ready and everyone's hanging out around the kitchen island before people go off to school and work, blah, blah, blah. Um, you're usually the person who writes that kind of beautiful copy. So I just see you nodding along. But do I have it right, you think, Camille? Yes, you have it right. And I would just add that we're fortunate in this industry and that parallel almost draws itself to, you know, from the result to 
the emotion that results from the result of a remodel. Like people are already emotionally connected to their homes. And so it's it's not a hard sell. It makes my job pretty easy in that way, you know, and, and we're fortunate there and I'm glad for that. Yeah, I agree. We have some pretty great clients that have some pretty beautiful projects and that definitely makes our jobs easier <laughs> a lot of the time. Okay, lovely. Now, Camille, is there any other big kind of takeaway that maybe we haven't talked about that you, what is something that maybe hasn't come up in this episode that you really hope that our listeners take away before we wrap things up? In regards specifically to making compelling, emotionally engaged website copy. Yeah. Um, just very briefly, uh, the only thing I made a note about that we didn't touch on is that there are some industry-specific things that you can keep in mind when you're writing copy. And I wanted to talk about a few of those things. Um, and one is that it's a really, really jargon-heavy industry That's where... True. There's a lot of, you can get into the weeds about a lot of the technical stuff that you as the, the contractor understand really well. And there's the time and a place to communicate your expertise and your technical knowledge. But sometimes it's really hard to make what you understand to be complicated, very simple. So that challenge of making that technical stuff, you know, translating that into layman's terms can sometimes come across in, in website copy that I see. And that's one thing to think about is how do I explain this to clients usually? And how can I put that on a website so that it's easier to understand? That's one. Um, another that I think about often is, you know, remodeling is super visual centric, right? So mm -hmm. it's all about what it looks like. And I'm here to write about it. So everyone, you know, it's it's image forward almost always with a lot of our website design as it should be. That's what grabs people's attention. So understanding that you're always going to want to lean on those images and then rely on your copy to bring people home. So balancing your copy with your images is a really important thing. And thinking about how your copy and your images play together is another important thing. Yeah, that's, I think those are the big two things. Cool. I love those. Yeah, that second one, I think a good recommendation I can make for that, um, because I've seen mistakes made related to not doing it this way, is when you're writing your copy, um, either like do it directly on the page or do it directly in a, a draft that actually has the imagery that you would be using, for example. Um, and that, to me, is maybe an easier way for someone who is new to it to know that they have to continuously be incorporating the visual aspects in with the copy. Even things like this image below is an example of what we're talking about or something like that. Just use that imagery to your benefit. Sometimes it does the talking for you. Well put. Thank you very much. Bruh. That means a lot coming from a writer. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, Matt, can you cue the music? 
thank you, Camille, for your first time being on the show. I hope it's not the last. Um, in fact, maybe I would love for you and Charlie both to be on the show sometime. It's always great to have writers around here to remind us that the important part, one of the most important parts of what we do is to implement it well. Isn't Let's that do surprising? It. Thanks for having me. All right.